everybody, I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, founder of the nonprofit The Woman Behind the Smile, and your host of Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something not through no fault of our own or through our own making we keep hidden, and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations. Wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow, and while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception about your circumstances. Regardless of what your personal experiences or traumas have been, this showcase series is designed to ignite the light in you, as well as providing safe harbor, education, personal growth, and resources so that no matter where you are on your journey, you'll have the courage to move on when you're ready. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who've been through extraordinary situations and struggles and found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. Everybody heals at a different pace, and we recognize that. So come on in, have a listen, and enjoy the ride at your own speed. It's a beautiful day in paradise, and this is Debbie Tepp coming to you from sunny South Florida. It's another Stand Up and Speak Up day. This is part two with my friend, Mel Mason, the clutter expert. Hello, Miss Mel. Good morning. Yes, part two, you're in sunny South Florida, and I'm in sunny Palm Desert, but the sun just hasn't risen yet here. Ah, yeah, it's way too early for you, and I thank you for being with me today, because I know you just got back from a trip last night, and I'm waking you up early because she's on Pacific time. It's okay. There's clutter somewhere in the world, and I'm so glad that you're here with me, because I have spent the last two hours with you on video. I always do that, even though this is part two of our Mel Mason Debbie Montgomery Johnson adventure, uh, I still learned a lot about you. So I have to tease this morning because you and I were just talking a minute ago about how our lives are these small circles and they are starting to overlap. When I watched some videos this morning, I ran to ran into Eric Swanson. <laughs> I love it. Mr. Awesome. Mr. Eric, awesome. Mr. Awesome. Eric and I met uh, back in 2015, I think, with Sharon Lecter when I was in Arizona, and we've crossed paths. And he's actually, it's interesting, Eric is a scam impersonation victim. Mm. His pictures have been used by scammers. Oh, yeah. He gets his profile gets hacked all the time. And I keep getting friend requests from him on. I'm like, I am already friends with you. You're yep. that's game again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he has a whole team that works with the FBI. And so from a from my point of view with the one behind smile and scars, Eric is and I would love to interview him from his perspective of how that affects his life, because I have done that with other other men, particularly men who have uh, been impersonated and it's horrible. But Eric is from Vermont. And so am I. And we have this sound of music connection. <laughs> so that's why I love Eric, Mr. Mr. Awesome. He's great. The other one was Laurel Langemeyer. And yep. I've done some work. Well, I did some work years ago with her. But you and she had done a video. And I don't know if you can see this. Yes. Make your kids millionaires. Yep. When this book came out again, I heard about it because of Sharon Lecter. I'm on Sharon's um, email list. And uh, I bought the book for my daughter, my son and daughter-in-law, my daughter, myself, and it's been sitting here. And when I listened to your thing this morning, I'm like, I need to pull that out again <laughs> because it doesn't do me any good to buy it and then stick it in the, in the, my basket of books, which you would say, <laughs> right. Get rid of them. Um, so anyway, it's added to the, the reading list. There, there, there's a stack of books that get to get read. They're just not, you know, she's well, it got I, added to the list. And when I travel, I'm going back to Hawaii again on grandma duty. I'm taking that with me because oh, tough Hawaii for grandma duty. I don't know if I can handle it. Long way to go for a beach to a beach. But I realize this is the third time in a year and a half that I've done it. And I thought it was my last time was my last. But the kids are military, they're active duty military, and they're both going to be gone. And, mm -hmm. and uh, the nanny can only watch the kids 40 hours a week. So I'm going to cover the other hours. Nice. It's fine because the kids are adorable. They're in school and I have a good time. I love Oahu. It's the island of Oahu. It's a beautiful little island. So nice. I'm going on the island of Kauai in September. There you go. See, someone's got to do it. Right. So, I'm taking that book with me and I'm going to figure out what I didn't do with my four kids, but what I can do with my grandchildren. Yes. Because you said you were going to work with your niece. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
And my friend, yeah, she just turned 11. That's why I was on the East Coast. And our, one of our, our uh, participating guests or non-participating guests is my one of my financial planner friends. And I want her to get that book because she can use that with her women navigating finances. So yes, listen, I'll pass that one on. The other thing that I saw was you were skydiving. I did that with my daughter the year after my husband died. Mm. What an exhilarating experience. And when I see the pictures of the throat, just <laughs> it was so much fun. And I'm like, I wonder if you've done it again. Have you done it again? Uh, you know, what's so funny is that I want to do my grounds training to skydive solo. Oh, I had booked it with the company that I jumped with um, in they're in Banning, um, California. Okay. And some freak accident happened with a student pilot from another airport. They crashed into their hangar and like destroyed a bunch of stuff and they were shut down for a while. And now they don't have the staff to do the grounds training. So um, it just went down on the priority list because they want me to go. And now I have to go somewhere else and do it with a different team. And I really like these people. So kind of just in limbo with that one, but definitely going to actually get my grounds training so I can jump solo. There you go. Well, I've actually jumped twice now. The first time with my daughter and a friend of mine, uh, which, who was a good friend of my husband's, he's since passed away too, but he was a pilot. And when we were at the plane, I called him up. I said, guess what we're doing? And he goes, why in the world would you jump out of a perfectly good airplane? I know lots of people say that. <laughs> and then I took a picture of the plane. And he goes, there's nothing perfect about that. Jump. <laughs> so, so I did. And it was a very bonding experience for Jenny and for me. Uh, the next time I, I had remarried and I took my husband and his stepson and we went up 17,000 feet. Oh, wow. Typically it's about 10. 10, yeah. We did that because we were there. We were on a bigger plane and there was a jump team and they wanted more time to come down so that they could do all of their aerobatics and all that. It was amazing, but my ears hurt afterwards. It was mm. way too cold. Uh, but yeah, it gets really cold no matter how hot it is on the ground. That was like the only thing is, and being in one of those small planes, it takes a really long time to get to altitude. So you're like freezing. I'm like, oh my God, this is cold. And then a really fast time to get back down to the ground. That first yeah. 5,000 feet is amazing. But what I watched on yours and with me too, the greatest time was when they popped the parachute and there was just this silence. It was so, for me, so peaceful. How about you? Yeah, absolutely. And then they let me steer the parachute. Oh, you were crazy. I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> he was teaching me he's like because you have the landing pad where you're gonna land and you're up there flying around and you have to be very careful because if you're say the wind is taking you towards the landing pad if you overshoot the landing pad while you're just flying around you won't be able to get back so all of your steering needs to stay above the landing pad or you'll miss it <laughs> and here in florida you know when we were way up high we could see the east coast and the west coast Oh, wow. So the yeah. Gulf and the Atlantic. It was amazing. But coming down, I came down near the Everglades. And so I was thinking, Whoa, there's oh, that's kind of cool, alligators down there. But it was amazing. And it going back to clearing clutter. Boy, does that clear your mind out? Yeah, it was totally amazing. Yeah. So enough for our travel adventures and for our friends. But I'm just finding that in time, our, all of our lives are just overlapping with the people that we need to be in contact with. And what is it six or seven degrees of separation between people? I mean, when you really just something like six degrees of separation. Yeah. Like... Yeah. And it's getting smaller and smaller. So that's going to lead me right into, we already did your segment part one, and I found out all about your life, which was amazing. And you've had so many incredible experiences that have led to, led you to where you are today. But today we're going to focus on what your mission is and your clutter and your clutter expert. But I heard you say something about GPS since we're talking about flying GPS and why we have GPS. Do you remember what you said there? I'm putting well, I remember when I, when I reference GPS, I always use it in the context that um, like, it's like, you know, when it when it comes to dealing with clutter or looking at what your current situation is, it's like GPS. GPS doesn't need to know where the hell you've been all your life. 
and what led up to you standing where you are right now. It just needs to know where you're standing and where you want to go. So I use that in context to a not beat yourself up for all the shit that's happened that's got you here because you just get to stand in acceptance of what is because it is what is. And until you can accept what is, what you resist persists. So you get to stand in acceptance. Okay, this is where I'm at. I've got all this clutter. I've got all this body weight. I've got all this, you know, these toxic people in my life, whatever the manifestation of the clutter is, I've got all this debt, whatever it is, standing in acceptance before you can shift and move forward. That's right. And that's what I heard you say is that we can't change what happened yesterday. We can't change the route we took. We can't change the left turn we made when we should have gone right. But we can decide where we're at today. So Mel, what is the very the number one question that folks ask you? Because when they hear the clutter expert, I love when you ask people, what do you what do you think about clutter? There's a lot of different things. Yeah. So even if you're an organized person there's clutter. So what, what's the number one question that people ask you as the clutter expert? Yeah. I mean, the number one challenge people come to me with, and it's so funny that you're talking about this because I'm teaching a workshop on this today called overwhelmed no more is that people are like, I feel overwhelmed and I don't know where to start. Like that's the biggest challenge people have because it's, there's so much stuff. They don't know where to put it. Everything is overflowing. And it's like, where do I start? How do I start? How do I make a dent in this? How do I start to make progress and actually get clear space? So what do you tell them? Because I, when I was listening to Eric this morning, it was, you must've interviewed him at the beginning of the pandemic because he was talking about Amazon. Well, Amazon's my best friend. You know, I can put an order and it can be here tomorrow, this afternoon. Yeah. It's ridiculous how they're doing that. Um, but that, brings extra stuff into our lives. And we don't take that pause to say, do I really need it? I want it. The grandkids could use it, but do we need it? So when we pause and start thinking about what we need to do, so we don't have the overwhelm, Marie Kondo-like, I love what she does as far as folding, but what? how do you feel about like, Let's just tackle the whole closet and throw it ah, That's where I'm like, that's where I go. I, I, I always say that I, I love Marie Kondo, everything about Marie Kondo, except for getting everything together all at once. Because that itself, when I see a big pile in front of me, if you just go, let me just run around my entire house and pull every piece of clothing that I own and put it on my bed. Like, um, I'm overwhelmed already. What if I miss something? And then it's like, okay, there now there's this huge pile. What do I do with it? And it's just this, like, it's just more of a mess. And so what I teach people to do is actually, well, first and foremost, like, how would you go about eating an elephant? One, one bite at a, at a time. One bite. You yeah. cannot eat. I mean, I can eat a whole elephant probably in one sitting with my training, but I still have to eat it one bite at a time. And so I'm, I, I will just say up front now, I am not a proponent of the Ohio method, only handle it once. Like, mm -hmm. I'm just like, it just, that doesn't always work, especially when you have a lot of stuff and you're basically playing musical chairs with your stuff because every area has got clutter. So you go to put something away and it's like, oh crap, that's full of stuff too. What do I do with that? And oh, now I'm going to put this away. What do I do with that? So I always have people start really small with like about a square foot's worth, but we can call it a cubic foot because I don't want you doing like a square foot here, but six feet tall. You know what I'm saying? So it's like a, the size of a book box or a night, a nightstand top or, you know, a little side table, but starting small and addressing what's in that small space, in which when you start small, it takes no time at all to get through that little bit of square foot space, unless it's like a huge stack of paper, paper's daunting and overwhelming. That's a totally different issue. Um, but literally just really starting small with one square foot at a time. And as you get through each square foot, you have space that you get to see. So within 15 minutes or less, you have clear space. And it's like, oh, there's some clear space. There's some breathing room. And then there's that dopamine hit like, oh, I did this. This feels good. I want to keep going. And then you do the next square foot and the next square foot next to each other, not bouncing from room to room to room. So you get that cumulative clear space. And when then 
30 minutes or so, you probably got three to five square feet of clean, clear space that you didn't have to start with. And you're like, wow. What do you do with books? We're just talking about books. And I love how you offer your book. So right, here's a good pitch. How do people get your book? Yeah, so I don't like to give clutter. So I wrote the book Freedom from Clutter, the guaranteed foolproof step-by-step process to remove the stuff that's weighing you down. Uh, But I don't care if you buy it. I'd rather you just download it for free. You can get the whole book as a PDF if you just go to freegiftfrommel.com. And books, books were one of my, my biggest challenges. So we all have our things that we are, we don't want to let go of. And I'll just say right now that as you start looking at stuff, there's going to be things you're not ready to let go of. So just meet yourself where you are. My biggest challenges were books, office supplies and containers and music like CDs when, when CDs were a thing and books and like containers, office supplies, all that stuff. Those are my like big attachments. And it would take years and years of looking at stuff to begin to let go of things. And books were one of the things that took a lot of time before I was willing to start letting go of them. Um, But it really, all it, all that you need to do is like, you, you'll look at all your books and be like, oh, I'm not letting go of any of these. But if you just take one square foot at a time and you start looking at the titles and getting honest and being willing to look, you'll actually let go of one or two or more than you thought you would. And you'll begin to the, the process of letting go and building that letting go muscle over time. And then the next time you look at your bookshelf, you'll let go of a little bit more. Like here's, and it takes what it takes. So I love sharing this story because there were, I was really into, and I still am, I'm pretty out there when it comes to spiritual and metaphysical things like that. And I did a lot of reading of books that were channeled through by the Pleiades, different people that channeled the Pleiadian star system and things like that. And I had this stack of books from like 1998 that I would constantly refer to, I would read, and I swore I would never let go of. I mean, I've they've come with me all over the place. So 1998 to 2001, okay? They've moved with me, came with me everywhere. One day I was sitting in my chair, putting my shoes on, and I just looked up at my bookcase and they were all like nice all together. And I was like, oh, it's time for you to go now. <laughs> and I just went and grabbed the stack of books put it on a little side table, took a picture because if it doesn't go on Facebook, it doesn't happen, right? Posted it on Facebook that I was letting them go and put them in the donate bag and they're no longer here. But I didn't go plan to go through my bookcase and start going through them and letting them go. It just popped. It was like, oh, it's time now. So it's just meeting yourself where you're at, but also being willing to look because all the clutter accumulates because you're not willing to look at it. So you'll be really surprised when you become willing to look you will start to let go of stuff. It might not be as much as you want to let go of in the beginning, but you will let go of something and you will create space. You will absolutely shock yourself. And it all comes down to, again, not being overwhelmed by trying to do the whole bookshelf, the whole closet at one time, my whole desk. Um, I, I'm in your six week group. And I know that I may not every every morning get up and do, we'll talk about this, about the allow the now, but I always have it in my mind as I'm looking at my desk, okay, clear off that one spot, just that one spot. And it does make me feel like I've accomplished something. Yeah. Because then absolutely. I'll want to go and get the big pile of, for me, it's more papers because I'm, I'm a paper person, uh, even though I've got digital, but I was trying to find something digitally the other day and I had a new computer just like you <laughs> going on and I couldn't find it. And it was a financial thing. And I'm thinking, this is important. I need to find this. And it took me an hour to locate it somewhere on my computer. Um, so I like to have a paper copy. My husband doesn't. He didn't want a 100-page financial plan. He wanted Oh, a, heck no. He wanted the digital. And uh, But I knew my digital or my paper copy was in a folder on my bookshelf. I have that, had that organized. But the digital part, and that, I heard I had a really good interview with you did today about digital clutter. And how, I guess we're bouncing off uh, to a different topic right now, but as we flow into this, a lot of folks that are listening uh, own companies and we have to have some sort of paper files, but we also have this digital platform and your guest that you interviewed, I can't remember her name right now, but it was all about the digital clutter and how we let loose of that. So how do you manage your digital stuff? 
Yeah. So for I'm a Mac user, so sorry, PC users. I don't know what happens on a PC. I can't speak to a PC, but I'm a Mac user. So every time I download something on my computer, it automatically goes into the downloads folder. And so basically it's just that maintenance of, I often will once a week or whenever it starts to get full, go into my downloads folder. Cause I have, it's just like a filing system in your office cabinet, only it's digital. So I have all the folders for all of my personal stuff, my business stuff, there's folders for everything. And if there's not a folder with something that I download, I then create it, but it's just maintaining and going through the download folders and making sure that everything gets filed where it needs to go so that I know where to find it. And then just like, it's just like with anything, when things start to accumulate, you get to go through those folders and purge what you don't need anymore, get rid of old folders. Um, there's just, it's usually when the computer's getting full and slow, that's when you do it. When it's my physical file, it's when I can't push the folders anymore because I have a rolling cart that's like my main folders that I use all the time. And my rule is once that starts to get to the place where I can't really push the folders anymore, it's time to purge it. Then I'll purge that and I'll go purge my backup file. I have a little two drawer filing cabinet that's in my closet. But as a business owner, that's all I really have besides a you know, a tote with my past taxes that I get to hang on to for seven years. But yeah. it's that maintenance thing. It's re- it's going in and and filing things just like you would file your physical paper clutter because you get to file it. So you, if you don't file it, you can't find it. And, you know, just making time to go through, oh, it's time to get rid of this. It's time to get rid of this. Oh, I don't need this anymore. And doing the purging. It's the same with the emails, don't you think? Yeah, it's the same thing as it's a filing system. And so it's going through, like I just recently went through and got, read of a ton of folders in my email that I don't need anymore. Programs I'm not in, courses I'm not using, stuff like that is just purge, 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 purge. Because the daily emails too, it's it's like, I love how you say when you get your mail, you've got your, you've got your mail guy trained to get rid of the trash. I do. He gets rid of my junk for me. It's great. I wish mine would, but mine mine never makes it past the front, you know, my front trash can. Yes. And that's something, because I, I have friends that'll just put it down I have a friend up in Orlando and I, I sent a box to him. It had cookies in it. And I text him and I said, please make sure that you get the box because I've heard that you do not open your mail. You do not pick up your mail. I said, those cookies will go bad <laughs> if you don't pick them up. And he was so happy that I told him they were coming because he'll just let this stuff collect newspapers and, yeah. you know, all the miscellaneous crap that comes in, which is for the most part, most of the mail. Yeah, exactly. I don't know why I even have a mailbox because it's all junk. Every once in a while, a check comes in. That was great. That's good. That or an occasional letter. (laughs) Yes. Once in a while. How do you feel when you get a real letter? Oh, I love it. I love actual real mail where it's like, oh, it's a handwritten thing. And someone wrote me a card or a letter. Yeah, I love that. The rest. Yeah, I actually have a, a, a mail service that I go pick up my mail from. It doesn't come to my house. And so I go get it and we have a recycle bin right at the mailbox. So everything that is junk goes right into the recycle bin immediately. And a lot of times, oftentimes I will even open the mail that's coming home with me and get rid of the outer envelope that I don't need. I recycle it right then and there. So that doesn't even come home with me. That's how I am too. And I think that's just a mindset. You've just got to get used to doing that because yeah. for me having that, those piles, there's something very stressful about those piles. Yeah. And again, I mean, when you're letting stuff accumulate, what it really boils down to is avoidance. You're just avoiding it. And there's a little principle in the universe called the principle of correspondence, which states as above, so below, or as within, so without, which means the outside is only a mirror of the inside. So if you're avoiding the stuff that's accumulating in your life, what that really means is you're just avoiding you. And until you stop avoiding you, you'll keep avoiding all this stuff outside, whether it's clutter piling up or the pounds accumulating on your body, you just blow it off, keep eating the way that you're eating, hanging out with people that aren't healthy for you, that bring you down, all the debt in your life, the lack of financial abundance, maybe it's addictions with food or drugs or whatever. You just won't look at it. You'll keep avoiding in your external world, but it's just a mirror of the fact that it really just boils down to your avoiding you. Your presence is required. And you start every morning with, I I alluded to it earlier, you have this principle called allowing the now. Can you tell everybody what allowing the now is? Yeah, absolutely. So what I just said about your presence is required 
you get to show up for your own life. You get to be willing to look at your own life. What's happening in the moment right here and now with whatever's going on and being willing to look. Because like I said before, all clutter accumulates because of an unwillingness to look at it. And all that means is you're just not willing to look at yourself. That's what it boils down to. And so my motto, my point of view is your presence is required. And the way that you bring your presence to your life is through a practice I teach my clients called allowing the now or ATN for short. It's like an ATM deposit. Think of it as making it a deposit into your bank account, right? And so allowing the now is simply allowing the moment to be exactly as it is. It's basically mindfulness. It's witnessing what's happening in the moment. And you're bringing your awareness to about five different things, five or six different things, depending on if your eyes are open or closed. So you have the physical sensations you feel in your body. Like you're sitting in your chair right now. You can feel your sits bones in the chair. You can feel your feet on the floor. You can feel your breath when you breathe. You have thoughts that you're thinking, becoming aware of the thoughts that you're thinking, you have sounds that you hear, you have smells that you smell, you have emotions that arise, whether it be resistance because I don't want to sit here and do this, or I experience, I'm experiencing sadness or whatever. Oh, I'm happy, whatever, whatever experiences, whatever feelings. And then if your eyes are open, you'll have things that you see. Like oftentimes I'll do my allowing the now with my coffee in the morning, sitting outside, just being aware of what's happening, watching the birds, listening to the birds, and just being fully present and immersed in what's going on around me. And other times I do it with my eyes closed, really going inward. But you're paying attention to those six different things. And the best part that I love about allowing the nouns for all of you people that are like, oh, I can't meditate. I can't sit still. That's great. You don't have to. And you can't do it wrong. You just have to be willing to do it no matter what's happening in the moment, whether you're aware of what's happening or you like, we're like, what happened in that five minutes? I don't even know where the hell I was. Just your willingness to actually stop gets you the results. And I call it, if you're familiar with the game whack-a-mole, where the little moles pop up and you have this mallet and you got to bop them on the head. So you get to let your attention bounce all over the place because it's allowing the now. What's showing up right now that wants your attention? Like I said, your presence is required. So when you give what's showing up in the moment, your presence, it's magical. And the real magic happens simply with your willingness to do the practice, not what happens during the practice. And it only takes five minutes. Well, that was the question that people, I can hear people saying, well, I don't have time. I don't have time to sit down and do that. What are you talking about? You can do it while you're brushing your teeth or washing the dishes as well. So you well, have the time you can, quite, you can habit stack. You're not quite present at that point. Actually, uh, when you're brushing your teeth, you get really present to brushing your teeth and feeling the toothbrush on every tooth or when you're washing the dishes, one of my favorite books was by Thich Nhat Hanh. God rest his soul. He's gone now. He was one of my biggest mentors. Um, he wrote The Miracle of Mindfulness. And you wash the dishes to wash the dishes or eat an orange to eat the orange, but you're fully present with what you're doing, feeling the sensations of the water, the soap, the sponge, the dish, all of it. You're being completely present and immersed in your experience and aware of what's happening in the now. Well, that would encourage a lot of people to uh, like washing the dishes. Have to tell it's my actually a really enjoyable experience. My husband does it because I do all the cooking, but <laughs> it's fun. But I remember trying to teach the kids how to wash the dishes, and it was always such a chore for them. Uh, but it's it's the mindful spin on it. And I yeah. remember the one of the first times that I, I listened to you and, and heard about the allow the now. I sat down and I had just come back and I wasn't feeling well, and it was that I was worried about having the virus. Mm -hmm. And after I sat there and, and thought about things, I got up and I took the test and I had it, but now I had a definitive answer rather than sitting there questioning, what's my body telling me I'm not feeling well. I went and I found out and had it. Well, then you can take action and do whatever because yeah. that part's beyond you. Uh, but I just, I, I think we're all too busy or we make ourselves too busy and we're multitasking and doing other things. And we're not taking that time to sit and pause. And mm -hmm. it's just that ATN, ATN, allow the yeah. now. It's just short, yeah. sweet, and it's something. And you, even if you miss a day, get back to it, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. Just jump back on the horse. It's a whole new new moment, new choice. New moment, new choice. New moment, new choice. And then as far as going, getting back to, I mean, clutter, a lot of us think clutter is just piles of stuff, which it is. But what are other forms of clutter in our lives? Where, where do they manifest? Well, one of the biggest ones you just said was too busy. I'm too busy. I don't have enough time. I'm too busy. That's just a lack of willingness to be intimate with the present moment. When you're too busy, you just don't have enough time. You're not present. You're avoiding the present moment. <clears throat> you go into a state of overwhelm and it's really a lack of intimacy with the present moment. When you actually slow down and get present and actually stop, you create more space in your life, which is, it seems back ass words, but when you keep saying, I don't have enough time, I don't have enough time, time shrinks. But when you actually start making space, then more time opens up and you're like, oh my God, now I have like a whole hour to do this or whatever. So it shows up as not enough time, being overwhelmed. It shows up as carrying excess weight on the body. It shows up as mounting debt, lack of financial abundance. The money's not coming in. All the different addictions, whether it's drugs, alcohol, food, sex, Facebook, social media, TikTok, whatever your whatever your preference is, um, it shows up in so many different ways, not just the physical clutter. That's why my mission is to empower people around the world to get free from clutter inside and out so they can experience their birthright, which is to thrive in every area of their lives. Because when you actually start doing the allowing the now practice, which is literally the keys to the kingdom, the secret sauce, you do that every day, you will get Six months from now, you won't even recognize your life. Every area of your life starts to get better. You start to spontaneously clear clutter. You make different choices about what you consume with your, your body. So you start releasing weight. You start not maybe watching so much news. You, you're more aware of what you consume with your mind. You stop hanging out with people that don't support you and lift you up. You start surrounding yourself with people who do lift you up. Um, you start opening the flow to financial abundance. I mean, I've had a client walk down to the mailbox and find a thousand dollar check. Other clients have like literally gone through stuff and found checks in their house that they would, you know, that Costco rebate check I had a client find like a $900 check that was like buried just because she started looking at stuff and spontaneously clearing stuff. And you start to experience more joy in your life. You feel happier. You feel grounded, more present, more calm. You're like the eye of the hurricane when a storm is hitting. It's like you're the calm within the storm. Like every area of your life starts to get better. And no guilt associated with taking a moment just for you. Yeah, no, you actually, it's the greatest act of self-love that you can do for yourself because you're giving yourself the gift of your presence. And when you start with five minutes, it starts to expand. So there was a period in my life where I stopped doing this practice. I got into a toxic relationship. We were together for 12 years. The first six of it was me like just dimming my light for her, not doing this practice anymore. And I got to a point where I was in 19, in 2013, I wanted to end my life again. I was like, I'm out of here. I, I don't want to do this anymore. Or I'm, I'm either going to take my life right now, or I'm going to do what I've learned all these years and, and take this five minutes and start putting myself first. And that was all I did as I started with five minutes. I didn't even have a space to do the practice in our place because we had a condo. It was a studio and the only door that closed was to the bathroom. So I got to work five minutes early and I sat in my car and I did this practice. And it started with me having no time for myself. I was taking none. I started giving myself five minutes. And that is now morphed to, I schedule me first. I do indoor rock climbing that requires me to drive an hour and a half each way. And then I work out for like an hour, hour and a half. So it's like a five hour round trip. I do that two to three times a week. I'm training for a marathon, which requires five days of training. I'm volunteering for a leadership program, which requires a minimum of five hours of my time a week, plus the actual online trainings that are sometimes two and three full days from like 9am to midnight. And I have time to run my business. All that space gets created, the more and more you make space for yourself, more space opens up. Well, I was almost exhausted just listening to you. But then I started thinking about my own stuff. And my husband goes, you're so busy. I'm like, I've got lots going on, lots of different pots. And we all do. And that's the kind of thing is that we don't want to uh, to get overwhelmed by things that aren't important. Yeah. And, yeah. Delegate- and you learn to prioritize because you start slowing down and getting present with what you really want. 
and what you really like. And it's like the things that I really want, like I just made a huge decision. I've been, I've been in line to be the incoming chair for the Palm Desert Area Chamber of Commerce. And because of COVID, it was, I said yes, almost two years ago when, and it, my term wouldn't start until July of next year. And so it's been this long, I've been on the executive committee, then the incoming chair, because all of our terms got extended. And my life has drastically changed since I said yes to that. And I don't even really do in-person networking anymore. Thank you, COVID. I've completely pivoted to online. All my networking is online. I do all of my outreach online and all of my coaching is on the phone. I don't need to go be in these networking meetings anymore. And I literally, while I was back East traveling, made the decision and talked to the, the current chair and I stepped down. I let go of that piece in my life because that's not where I'm going anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not in alignment with what's happening in my life and where I'm going. Different things have shifted now. The leadership program that I'm volunteering for, I'm doing it because after I went through the leadership training myself, I realized that that's the next level and what I want to do with my clients. So I'm training to become a trainer of the leadership work. And so now I volunteer and go back and staff it so I can stay what's called in the container and keep getting the repetitions until I go through the training school after I graduate the next level leadership, which is PhD. Well, I really think it comes down to, for me, as I get older too, I'm willing to say no more. Yes. When I was younger and a young mom, I said, I was superwoman. I said yes to everything. And then you're totally exhausted. Yeah. And today it's, I was commenting on someone's account the other day and they said, I said, you know, in the end, when you're dying, you're not going to be saying, I wish I'd spent more time at the office. Hell no. Like when I said, I would go back to Hawaii again, my mom, who's 87 is like, well, you're leaving your husband. You're going again. And I said, you know what? I'm still young enough. The kids want me to be there. They've asked me to come, my kids. The grandkids still like grandma. She's still young enough to have fun. I'm still healthy enough to be able to make that travel. Um, Ah. So yeah, I can do my business through my computer. I can have somebody come into the office. I can have my husband take care of the house and the cat and all that. Um, We just make those things important because we're building memories and moments and important things with the family. And that's what's important to me now. I mean, yeah. my, my late husband walked out the door one day and was dead the next. Mm. It can happen to all of us. Yeah, and- we're not promised tomorrow. Like we just literally have now. That's why allowing the now is so key because now is all we have. Exactly. And that little pile, it'll be there tomorrow unless we work on that little pile. And that's what I like about your your you know, one square foot, it's not overwhelming. I'm not doing the whole closet and I'm pretty organized, but there are spots when I look around going, I've got to prioritize that one. It's on my top of my piano right now. Yeah. I'm going to take that picture. You said, take the picture of your, of the projects, prioritize them and then work on them one at a time. Yeah. Um, it didn't accumulate overnight. It's not going away overnight. And just so you're clear, so you're clear, like we all have clutter, like constantly stuff is coming in. It's impossible not to have accumulation. And so you just get to a place where it's like, I'm, I'm, I have a business and during the day, like I'm spread out. I got projects that I'm working on and there's papers everywhere. And then at the end of the day, they get filed and put away and the desk gets clear. And then I start again the next day. But as a business owner, like you classes that you're taking classes that you're teaching, like I'm, I'm teaching a course today. So I literally have notes about the class that I'm teaching today. When that's done, it'll go in a folder in case I ever teach that class again. It's something, it's a new offering that I'm doing. So it's the first time that I'm teaching it this way. And so there'll be a file for it. It'll get put in, it'll get put away. And then if I ever do it again, I'll pull it out. And then if I don't, next time I purge my folders, it'll be gone. There you go. Uh, you're, you sound like a little bit better as far as purging than I am. Mine are really organized, but they're all in boxes put away. So yeah. as I, as I look at my parents' house and think that someday I'm going to have to clean that, I look at my own and say, someday my kids are going to have to clean that. And I know my daughter's like, mom, get rid of it now. <laughs> oh my God. So this is so perfect. Cause I just went back home. And so I, I really, it's interesting when you go home and you hang out with your parents, my parents have been separated since I was like four, they're divorced, but they both have their own clutter issues. My dad 
He used to work at this company where he had access to a tool and he he's the guy that goes and pulls stuff out of the trash and somebody throws a vacuum cleaner away, he fixes it. Or if this shed needed to be, when I was a kid, like I'd go in there and you could find stuff. But as the years went on, it just kept growing and growing and growing and you couldn't find anything anymore. So my dad is the clutterer who like is completely disorganized. Like he throws trash in his truck on the floor. He doesn't believe in a trash bag. My mom, when I went home, she just bought a house. So she moved while I was there. So I got to see all this stuff she's been accumulating and she's got clutter, but it's organized. She's like a really organized person, but she's got clutter. I mean, I looked in the trash to find a packet of blank cassette tapes when we used to record on cassette tapes. I'm like, really, mom, you still have this? You move this here? It's like hilarious to see like, okay, my mom's got the, or she's super organized and got the organized clutter. And my dad is just a chaotic mess. I'm like, how the hell did I survive? How did I make it through this? And I've said this to both of them. So it's not like I haven't said this to them while I was there. Well, and it's funny to see where, cause I start thinking about where they came from, why they're doing that. My dad, my dad can't drive past a wood pile and not stop and pick it up. So the other day, mom was saying, we got this wood in the car. It's driving me nuts. So I, when I got over to their house, I went and I took it out and I put it in my dad's workshop, but it's got nails everywhere. He's 93 almost. He's going to spend a day hammering the nails out. I think, you know what? If that's your project, have at it. Someday I'll get in there and he, cause he's like, I never know when I'm going to need it for a project. And I think many of us feel that way. We never know when we're going to need something. I might need it someday. That's like the biggest thing. Oh my God. I might need it someday. And that's just what that really is though. When you think about it, cause we can only be in fear or faith, like trust or fear, right? Or what it really is, is contraction, which is the fear or allowing, which is the faith. If you're in this state of, oh my God, I might need it someday. You're not trusting that whatever you want to call it, universe, God, source, creator, whatever your word is, is abundant, wants you to be abundant. wants you to have everything you need. So if you don't have it when you need it in the moment, it will show up for you if you trust. But if you're in this state of lack and fear, there's no possibility. So prime example last year, I love this. I crashed my truck and it was total. So what's the first thing the clutter expert does is I take the file of all the maintenance I've ever had done on it and I recycle it. I don't need it anymore. The truck is gone, right? Not going to hang on to this file. And then I'm on the phone with my insurance company. And I was like, ah, this really sucks. I just put new tires on the truck. There's a new alternator. And they're like, oh, we'll just upload all the receipts for the work that you've done. And that'll up the value on what we pay you out. I'm like, oh, that's kind of funny. I just recycled them all. I'm the clutter expert. But what do I do? I call my mechanic because they said, if you get all the receipts for the past year, anything that you've had done on your truck, it could up the value of what we're going to give you. I call my mechanic. I'm like, can you print out all the maintenance stuff I've had done last year? 30 minutes. Everything was printed. I was able to go pick it up. Hadn't thought because about the universe that. is abundant. Absolutely. And I trust. I live in this state of trust that everything always works out. I will always have everything that I need and more. So that pile of pink and purple and yellow little CD covers that I have, I can like give them to your goodwill because somebody out there wants to make an art project out of them. Yeah. Or actually some people still have CDs, but here's the other thing that, which is so key. Okay. When we hang on to stuff for someday, we're hanging on to it, but we're not using it. We're literally stifling its purpose because everything that's created has a purpose. CD cases are meant to have CDs in them. Books are meant to be read. Clothes are meant to be worn. If you're just hanging on to them, shoving them in a closet, shoving them in a box, or looking at them, letting them collect dust on a shelf, you're literally stifling their purpose, which blocks the flow of abundance from coming into your life. That's why when people actually start decluttering and letting shit go, then all of this abundance, oh my God, this just happened. This new job offer just came in. This just happened just by like, like even letting go of the inner clutter, the limiting beliefs, the, the self berating, beating yourself up. I have a friend who just called me so excited the other day because she's wanted to start her own coaching practice. And she had all this guilt about, you know, a license that she lost over some, some behavior uh, through alcohol 
you know, using alcohol and she had, she was beating herself up and she couldn't move the energy. She finally stopped beating herself up and forgave herself. And without like networking, going to meetings, she had people reaching out to her and buying packages of coaching hours. She made like 5,000 in two weeks when she was making nothing. Once she let go of the story of the limiting beliefs, she created the space for the abundance to flow in. It, that whole beating yourself up and blaming yourself for things you've done is I, that's prevalent in the group that I, that I work with because we've made a goof. We've made a misstep as a friend. One of my friends calls it and we hang on to it. We beat ourselves up over the past. And, and that is, like you said, that limits any energy that you have, any expansion, any moving forward and shuts you down from the rest of the world. And unfortunately that leads to suicide and everything else. And it's just, a, it's a bad, well, you, you've been there, you've been to that bad place. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I love this motto in the leadership training that I've been, you know, taking and staffing our motto is no fault, no blame, no guilt, no shame. Like it's, it's neutral. Everything is neutral. Yeah. No blame, no guilt, no shame. No matter what's happened, there's no fault, no blame, no guilt, no shame. But it's hard. It's how do you get people to take the step to believe that? Is that that's the trust part, right? Yeah. It's the trust part. It's the willingness. It's a willingness to be like, oh, I've been beating myself up for this, but it is what it is. But, but here's the great thing is when I believe that my, my personal point of view is that I am the source of everything that happens in my life. Mm -hmm. Like there's no outside source. We have the, some people are like, life happens to me. Some people are like, life happens for me. My point of view is that I'm generating everything that happens in my life. Even the abuse with my brother, him committing suicide, the war in Ukraine. I believe that I am the sole generator of everything. It's called hundred percent responsibility. And the way that means is it's not that I'm, when we think of responsibility as humans, there's this automatic like blame, like I'm at fault. I did something wrong. And that's not what it's about. Like, for example, with, with my ex-wife and the toxic relationship that I was in for 12 years, I realized that I was the generator of that relationship. And I brought that relationship into my life so that I could learn to stand in my power, learn not to be a doormat and learn how to shine my light no matter what. And I wouldn't be where I am today without that experience. And so it's not right, wrong, good or bad. There's no fault, blame, guilt or shame about those 12 years that I was with her. It was absolutely perfect and absolutely necessary. There's, but, no, there's no energy on it. But you took the step to move out. Yeah. To move forward. I, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But every being in that relationship and going through everything that I went with her made me who I am today. And so I generated that so that I could have those experiences and I could then use that experience to help others. Take your pain, make it your person, your purpose and your passion. Yeah. But when we can stand in a place of everything is happening for me, for my growth, for my highest good, to get me to the best version of myself rather than life is happening to me in a victim stance, everything shifts. It's all about perspective. Everything is about perspective. Like say you have a, an event that happens in your life, like in the leadership training, they take, they, they say you can, it's never too late to have a happy childhood because it's how you go and look back on it. You can look back at it from a victim stance as, oh, my parents were horrible. This happened to me. This happened to me, blah, 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 blah. Or you can look back and tell the, see the story in a different way. I, I, as a soul, chose those parents to have these experiences so that I could be where I am today and I could learn these lessons. Totally different viewpoint. So it's how you perceive things that shifts how you feel about everything. We're meaning-making machines. We give meaning to everything. So it's the meaning that we actually put on something that dictates how we're going to feel and what we're going to do with it. In my life, the, the, a fun way to, to do, look at that is to get together. I have three brothers. We got together for, I think it was my dad's 90th birthday. And it was just the siblings and my parents. And we started talking about events when we were kids. Mm -hmm. And I remembered it one way. 
one brother remembered it the other way. We all came together thinking, wow, this is so funny to see your perspective on what we all thought was the same thing. And I go back to the day that my brother shot me with a BB gun. He goes, I did not. I'm like, yeah, you did. <laughs> so all those, you know, 50 something years, I'm still thinking my brother shot me with a BB gun and he doesn't have any re recollection of it. So it is interesting to put ourselves in that, in that place. But again, it all comes down to the now and being present today and our hour has flown, but I know you're doing a training today and I know you're a busy gal. So once again, how can people get your book? Cause that's the place to start. And how can they contact you? Uh, free gift from mel.com. You can download the book for free. That puts you on my mailing list. So if you actually do that right now, you'll get an email later today about the workshop that starts at 930 Pacific time. Um, that's in what, two and a half hours. hours from now. So if you download the book now, you'll start, you'll get an email. It's, it's completely free. Um, or you can just email me at info at declutteringspaces.com. If you want to reach out and connect with me and I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram. I have a YouTube channel. You just Google YouTube, Mel Mason, the clutter expert, got a whole YouTube channel. Lots. I think that's where you've been hanging out, watching me, um, all kinds of good stuff on there. So yeah. That's and it's fun because you all you had something about ask ask a question. Mel, you have do a little show where you answer questions. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was doing that for a little while during the pandemic. All these different things we we experimented with during the pandemic. Yeah, we all did that. I was thinking that's your questions answered. Yes, I was doing your questions answered. So go to YouTube. There's a, a plethora of things on YouTube. It's lots of fun. Uh, and Mel, thank you so much for doing this repeat show or this part two show. It's not a repeat. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping to be on your thing this afternoon. I'm learning a little bit more about how, how to make my own YouTube channel a little bit better at noon, but I will, I will strive to get there. I love your, your six week class. And it just is a good reminder for even those of us that uh, appear to be somewhat organized. It's just a reminder of the little things and how to stay present and take one square foot at a time. Even the clutter expert has clutter. You're never done. That's the secret is we're never done. You'll stay in business forever, my friend. Right? There you go. Well, thank you so much for being my guest on Stand Up and Speak Up. I wish you the very best in your in your training today and in your all that you're doing. And I will be stalking. I'll be watching. <laughs> Thanks so much friend. for having me again. And just remember, everyone, the only requirement to get free from clutter in every area of your life is your presence. Your presence is required. And thank you all for being here today. Thanks, my friend. Thank you for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and to being your best self. If you are the victim of a scam or cybercrime, please visit againstscams.org for assistance and guidance about options and recovery. SCARS, the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, is an incorporated nonprofit crime victims assistance organization based in Miami, Florida, supporting scam victims worldwide. If you can, make a small donation to help victims around the world receive the help they need. This episode has been sponsored by BenfoComplete.com, a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you or anyone you know struggles with the pins and needles or numbness in their hands and feet, check out our Benfoteaming products at BenfoComplete.com. Use the special code STANDUP for a 5% discount on your purchase. Again, thank you for being with us today. Go to my website, The Woman Behind the Smile, for additional resources and information. Subscribe to my YouTube channel and enjoy the replays. My books are all available on Amazon.com and Audible, and I encourage you to join us again. Have a great day.